Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to episode 142 of the Headspace and Timing podcast. Today, I have a conversation with a colleague in a couple of different domains, both as a clinical mental health counselor, as well as a fellow technology advocate and content creator. Dr. Julie Kinn oversees development and implementation of health technology for the military and veteran communities for the Defense Health Agency. And we have a great conversation about using technology to enhance our understanding of and delivery of mental health and wellness support. I think it's unrealistic to say to most people, to most service members, to most veterans, hey, time for you to stop using technology, especially since as part of military service, a lot of folks are encouraged to test technology, encouraged to try new things. If someone comes to you and they're interested in technology already, then that's a great opportunity. It's not something I would push on a patient ever, if they're, especially if they're not interested. But if someone's already interested in technology or if they're already listening to podcasts, then also picking up a podcast like yours where they can learn about useful resources just makes great sense. Welcome to the Headspace and Timing Podcast, a show dedicated to breaking down the stereotypes around veteran mental health. My name is Dwayne France, and I'm a retired Army non-commissioned officer and a combat veteran of both Iraq and Afghanistan. After retiring from the Army, I took on a new mission as a clinical mental health counselor for my fellow service members. If you served in any branch of the military, then you're familiar with the M2 machine gun, the 50 cal. It's one of the most effective weapons in the military's arsenal. If the weapon's headspace and timing wasn't set correctly, however, it was just a useless chunk of metal. Veterans can be rendered inoperable if their headspace and timing's not set correctly either. That's my goal with this show, to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health and reduce the stigma against seeking support. Each week, we'll talk with mental health professionals, veterans, and those who support service members, veterans, and their families. We're going to have real and honest conversations about a topic that most just don't like to talk about, veteran mental health. Let's jump into this week's conversation. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Headspace and Timing Podcast. Once again, and as always, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen and learn more about veteran mental health. Uh, you know, I'm really excited. I always say that I'm excited about having my guests on the show, but uh, I've had the opportunity to meet uh, my guest today in person um, where I was actually attending a workshop on connected health uh, that she and a colleague were presenting at. Um, and uh, in and really interested in some of the, the forward thinking things that, that's being done to communicate, just like we are on this show, what we as clinicians know and get it in the ears and the hands of those that need it. So my guest today is Dr. Julie Kin. Julie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here this morning. 
Yes, I, I appreciate it. Um, and, and everything happens exactly when it's supposed to. Um, when, when we met, I believe it was even last year, I was very excited mm-hmm. about what, uh, what you were doing and what uh, DHA is doing for the connected health. Definitely want to get into all the shows and the podcast and everything you're doing. Before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Well, I'm Dr. Julie Ken, as you mentioned. I'm a clinical and research psychologist. I'm located at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. As you mentioned in the DHA Connected Health, DHA, of course, is the Defense Health Agency. We help manage all the health care for military beneficiaries and service members. And we also make plenty of resources for veterans. And since everything we make is free to the public, a lot of civilians can benefit from our resources as well. So at Connected Health, What we do is look at all the new technologies, and our first question is always, how can we use this to help improve healthcare or to give more opportunities for our service members and their families to engage in ways to improve their health? So, for example, um, Dwayne, how did, how did you wake up this morning? What woke you up? Uh, I have an app on my phone. Um, I don't have it, Uh but it, uh, but it, it's, um, one of these gentle wake up things where I can wake up in a window and it gradually, um, the no, the, the, the alarm gradually increases in order to wake me up. So it's not this jarring, um, jarring wake up. Nice. Yeah. So you use your, your phone with a, mm-hmm. sounds like a really neat app. Um, and, and that's really common these days. I'm guessing most of your listeners right now also use an app on their phone or just, the, the clock function of their phone or a tablet or some other device to help them wake up. And what that means is that the very first thing in the morning, the first thing you're interacting with is that cell phone. And so that gives us an opportunity, right? Because the what you see on your cell phone after you cancel out the clock is you or the alarm is you see any missed calls, you mm-hmm. see missed texts, maybe little notifications from your calendar. Well, what we said is, okay, that's also a great opportunity to put a reminder or help a user set a reminder for, let's do five minutes of a relaxing meditation to help set my intention for the day, or I want to check my mood or symptoms of post-traumatic stress, or I want to do this quick assessment to see how I'm feeling. In other words, we, we look at all the different ways we use technology, the ways we're already using technology. And finding ways to insert additional opportunities to help improve our health. So it's, it's a really incredible job. It's so fun because I get to experiment with a lot of different things. So a couple of years ago, I said, I love podcasts. Let's try that. So now we're trying podcasts and we do a lot of, uh, interesting, innovative research with others around Madigan Army Medical Center and, and other folks in the DHA with really the ultimate goal being How do we help improve health outcomes for a whole variety of things for our service members, families, and veterans to uh, basically make it not so expensive, not so difficult? You're already using your phone, so we just want to add one other little thing here and there and see if that helps. You know, that's great. Um, And and you are actually... um 
you know, you've achieved the holy grail of podcasting. You actually get paid to podcast, which is not <laughs> typical for many of us. Um, so those are life goals. Uh, I really, the idea yeah. of adapting the technology, right? This, I, you know, um, uh, I've heard even colleagues of mine say, oh, you shouldn't do this, right? You, you shouldn't interact with your phone. You, you should leave it in the yeah. room. And, and it's this idea of trying to get somebody to go against what is so common. Um, and what it sounds like the, the connected health is doing is, is adapting what we're already doing, um, a- adapting those habits, um, and, and using it to improve rather than trying to go cold turkey, so to speak. Sure, exactly. I mean, using technology isn't for everybody, right? It's not a panacea. It's not one size fits all. But we're already using it. I think it's unrealistic to say to most people, to most service members, to most veterans, hey, time for you to stop using technology, especially since as part of military service, a lot of folks are encouraged to test technology, encouraged to try new things. Um, You know, as a therapist, if a patient came to you and said, hey, I just read this really good book about managing my depression, you would never say, oh, well, I don't read books, so we're not going to do that here, right? If if someone comes to you and they're interested in technology already, then that's a great opportunity. It's not something I would push on a patient ever, if they're, especially if they're not interested. But if someone's already interested in technology or if they're already listening to podcasts, then also picking up a podcast like yours or they can learn about useful resources just makes great sense. You know, and you bring up a great point, you know, obviously technology isn't for everybody. Um, a, a study by the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine last year, actually, I think now January of 18, it came out, said that over 50% of post 9-11 veterans are comfortable receiving their their mental health is specifically was what they were looking at, but they were, they were, um, comfortable using technology to access this information. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. in our older veteran population, it's less, although that may be adapting. Um, is, uh, is DHA and the connected health, are you seeing those kind of metrics where it's, it's younger veterans and service members accessing the, the, the tools that you're doing, or is it really a wide range? It's a wide range. I would say in general, uh, digital natives, that means folks who, ever since they were born, computers existed. Whereas for the rest of us, I still remember when my family got our first computer, right? So that makes me a digital immigrant. Like, this is still something that's new to me. Um, I, I don't know your age, so I'm not going to put you in one of those two groups. Um, generally, for our digital natives, it's much easier for them, and they're much more willing to engage in technology. But... Um, yeah, I'll give you an example. A few, about five or six years ago, we were doing some of the workshops that, that you attended where we were helping providers understand technology and how to use it. And at that time, providers and uh, a lot of our providers are veterans, of course, in the military health system were asking, well, how do I download a mobile app to my computer? Or uh, I've never held a smartphone before. You know, we would hand them smartphones to use. We don't get those questions anymore. Every once in a while, maybe maybe once a year now instead of once a month. Um, and, and so it's definitely a different world. I I definitely know there are some stats about uh, providers and older folks maybe having less access to technology, of course. But in general, I'm seeing it more and more and more. Also, the data on how successful it is is really stunning. 
telehealth, for example, also known as virtual health, you know, when you actually see your provider over video uh, and, and you're able to interact that way is just as effective as in-person care. So that's really amazing. And I think once people try it and they realize, oh, hey, if I do this, it means I don't have to travel 90 miles, for example, to my closest military treatment facility, or I'm able to access a specialty care visit, whereas otherwise I might have to wait for several months. Once patients and providers try this, they realize, okay, there's advantages here. But it's always hard to jump into something new, especially when we're talking about mental health, behavioral health, where there's already stigma on top of it. You know, then you're not just counteracting the stigma about receiving mental health care. You're also adding these logistic barriers. So it's it's part of what makes technology so amazing is that it helps overcome the stigma once folks try it. For example, mobile apps, especially the ones we make in the DOD and the VA, they can all be used anonymously, right? Nobody knows if I'm using the virtual Hope Box app in order to help decrease symptoms of depression or help me manage anxiety. These, This is an app that I can use for free anywhere. And if someone happens to look over my shoulder while I'm using this very colorful game-like app, it just looks like I'm playing a game or taking a note. Uh, you know, no one knows I'm doing my mental health homework or I'm, I'm uh, doing something my behavioral health provider told me to do. Uh, same with our podcasts and our websites. All of our products are like that. And so I think it's it's really exceptional and important just to get folks to even dip their toe in the water. Just like for many, the very first time they see a mental health counselor, that's a very difficult thing the first time. Uh, same for technology, except I think it's less difficult because at least we're used to downloading apps, right? It's, there's less of a trial period. It's a two-minute procedure where I can do it in the privacy of my own home and see, okay, what is this? Or, for example, the PTSD coach that the VA made. This is a great app, and it helps me understand PTSD, helps me understand what the treatment's like, um, gives me a few uh, little exercises I can do on my own to help improve symptom management. It gives me places to call to get treatment. So that's the kind of app that becomes a doorway to more care. So really, our our fears of technology, I think, are very minimal compared to our fears of actually going in and talking to a human being. I think it's probably a lot easier, even for some of our older veterans and service members and civilians, to try out an app first and then go in and talk to somebody rather than vice versa. You know, I, I, I like that idea, right? It's, it's the idea, like you said, it's, it's dipping your toe in it or it's easing into, um, it, it's starting to think about mental health in a place that's safe. Um, I've, I've talked about it often here in the show. Uh, and, and early on, and this is probably several years ago, I had a veteran who was coming to see me for, for therapy and, um, and, and no showed a couple times. And finally, the third time he came in, um, and, and what he had said happened was, uh, the first time he, he drove by the building and didn't stop and drove away. Uh, the second time mm. he drove by the building, he parked, he sat there for a while, then he drove away. And it was only the third time that he actually came in. Um, because there was this, he's like, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know what's on the other side of this door. Um, you know, he comes in my office. It looks like a retired first sergeant's office, right? You got maps on the walls and coins, right? Like that, right? I mean, so, and he was, he was like, Oh, you know, this is, I'm, I'm relieved when I'm in here, but, Beyond that closed door, he couldn't imagine what it was. Um, 
And these apps and technology can, can sort of reduce some of that, um, lack of information that causes the anxiety that would keep somebody from, from seeking treatment in the first place. Yeah, you know, that's part of our goal on the A Better Night Sleep podcast, which is just short interviews and answering listener questions with sleep experts from the military health system. And for example, we'll get the most recent question we had was, should I allow dogs on the bed? What if they're very good dogs? Um, and, and we also talk about sleep apnea and insomnia and the most common uh, disorders. But a big part of the podcast is whenever we talk about treatment, I, I'm always, I stand in as, you know, asking the questions on behalf of the listener. I always focus on, okay, what exactly is that treatment like? Does that hurt? If I'm hooked up to this machine, how do I get up and go to the bathroom, right? It's really finding out, digging into what's it going to be like when I go and talk to my provider? What are they going to do to me? What's this going to be like? What kind of medication are we talking about? What kind of treatment? Again, it's so much easier for that patient who came to you three times if he'd listened to a little podcast first to help him go in or watched a video helping him understand what it was going to be like or um, had an app to help introduce him, then I I think it just eases the way. Uh, It sounds like you handled that really sensitively, Um, and, and I'm not sure that's always the case. No, I mean, that's the, and I mean, and this is some of the challenge, right? What, what, uh, providers or even researchers and when people develop interventions, um, we know it works, but we're not, I mean, it's like building any other tool. Um, you're just not sure how it's going to be used, right? A hammer was designed for one thing and maybe two and people use it for all kind of different stuff. Um, but one thing I, I really like about what I, I hear about what you're doing is, um, it's, it's being designed to be used. So it's end user in mind. So it's, it's, um, it's individually informed. You're not creating something and then like forcing someone to change their behavior, use it. Um, you're making it as easy for the veteran, the service member or their family member to use it, um, so that they can get the benefit out of it. Well, that's the goal, and we're always interested in getting feedback as well. We, every week, we do a scrub of, all the emails we receive from beneficiaries, all the readings we get on iTunes or Google Play, and then we keep a backlog of requests. So, for example, on an app, Breathe to Relax, we've had lots of people requesting, hey, I want additional pictures and music. This is an app that just teaches diaphragmatic breathing, how to do that deep belly breathing that we know is so valuable. But it's kind of a tricky thing if you've never tried it before, if you haven't sat with a provider learning it. Um, and so, you know, all those, even though that's not a major, major request, it wasn't like the app was broken. We, we add all those requests we receive into a backlog list. And then when we have developers available and funding available, we go in and make those changes. So now if you download the Breathe to Relax app, and that's all one word, just the word breathe, it's the number two, and then relax, you'll see a variety of music and pictures to pick from. Um, so our uh, getting feedback from our beneficiaries and from our providers is so important because it helps us keep updating everything to make it better and better. Another example is the Military Meditation Coach podcast, where, it, like you said, we don't want to force anyone into anything. And I think nowadays, because mindfulness and meditation is, is really recognized as something that truly does help manage symptoms of depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress. And, and a lot of the other very common health conditions for veterans and service members, 
we're definitely hearing, oh, you should meditate. You should do mindfulness. Well, that makes it sound like, oh, you should go eat food because there's thousands of kinds of food and there's many, many kinds of meditation and mindfulness. So what we did with the Military Meditation Coach podcast is we went around to uh, psychologists, therapists, clinicians, chaplains from all around the military and VA and said, hey, give us your favorite meditation, the meditation you love to do with patients or beneficiaries. Or it doesn't even have to be a meditation, maybe just a relaxation exercise or something about mindfulness. So the ultimate goal being we want to give our listeners a huge variety to pick from. Because, again, just saying, oh, you should eat food isn't very specific. Someone might try one kind of food and say, no, I don't like this, right? Same with meditation and mindfulness. Now listeners can go to the military meditation coach and try a meditation that's three minutes long or one that's 45 minutes long or progressive muscle relaxation or guided imagery or something from a Buddhist chaplain. You know, this huge variety to see what makes the most sense for them, what hits that mark in a safe environment where it's not being pushed on them, right? No one's going to sit you down and force you to listen to our podcast. It it just makes it accessible, helps you again, dip your toe in the water. You can listen to 30 seconds and say, nope, not for me. And then move on to the next one. You know, and that's um, in, and I, I, I appreciate the parallel, um, but people don't necessarily have preconceived notions about eating food, right? Um, we do Fair. have <laughs> certain preconceived notions, um, and, and especially veterans. I was actually talking to, I've got a colleague who's a Navy SEAL who, who actually has, has done some, um, mindfulness based stress reduction training, uh, with the, um, with John Kabat-Zinn and, and he was talking about how 10 years ago you wouldn't be able to get a Navy SEAL to, to meditate at all. And now you can't find one that doesn't, right? You know, they're all into yoga right. and Pilates and, and stuff like that. And so we were talking about the change in the culture. Um, but there still is a mainstream idea that, you know, you're sitting on top of the mountain cross-legged with, you know, going, oh, you know, and that's where people think that's what meditation is. Whereas, uh, the podcast and, and the meditation app, it's, it's really, it's, it's a stigma reduction tool. It's changing. It's challenging uh, common beliefs around this particular interventions and a number of different ones that you have the apps for. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And because we know those Navy SEALs are now meditating, that means 15 years from now, you're going to have a bunch of veterans who are interested in meditation. Right. And so you've had, and uh, in, in you've mentioned a couple uh, or a number of the apps, um, but you also have some apps that are, um, help individuals understand specific interventions um, like uh, prolonged exposure and acceptance commitment therapy and things like that. Could you talk about a couple of those? Sure. Yes. The National Center for PTSD, that's part of the VA, they make all those apps and they are incredible. Um, the acceptance and commitment therapy app, as you mentioned, prolonged exposure coach, we, we helped work on several of these apps and they are maintained and put out by the VA. Uh, what's really exceptional about these is that it helps with standard treatment. It's not that we just decided, oh, you know what would be cool? Let's do an app that does X, Y, and Z. Instead, it's let's take this existing evidence-based treatment and then create an app to help make it even easier for patients and uh, their providers. 
So, for example, one app that, that we made here in the DHA is called Dream Easy. It's just the word dream and the letters E and Z. Um, and, and there's a little icon of a cute owl, so you'll know it when you see it. Um, it's a fantastic app, and at first it just looks like, oh, it's for nightmare reduction. But what's behind the app is its strong foundation in imagery rehearsal therapy, which is a phenomenal intervention to help reduce nightmares. Nightmares due to post-traumatic stress or just other nightmares, uh, recurrent, frequent nightmares. And the app walks you through learning again, what is this treatment? Why is it so good? And then helping a patient uh, practice this method of re-scripting dreams. It is meant to be used with a provider. So if a provider is doing this manualized treatment for imagery rehearsal therapy to help manage nightmares, instead of recording dreams and you know, on an MP3 recorder and having to save all those files and doing surveys there. Everything's just managed right in the app. Plus, if someone downloads it in their provider, and maybe they're not even seeing a provider yet, that makes it very clear. This is meant to be used with a provider. Here's what you can expect from treatment. So, again, if someone's just looking for an app to help nightmares, they might download this, learn about the treatment, and then be motivated to go find a provider to help with the treatment area. See, and I, I really appreciate that also in that um, you're not trying to supplant um, clinical therapy, right? I mean, because we, oh, we, yeah. and, and not to say that, that, you know, because I went to school so long, then therefore I should be, but we learn a lot of stuff in our master's and do doctoral programs and the clinical research and, and things like that. Um, that, uh, just like any other uh, medical professional, um, we have a certain area of specialized knowledge, you know, health professionals. Um, and so it's not designed to, um, to, to be a digital therapist and that this is all anyone needs. It may be all anyone needs if their needs are not so, you know, uh, clinically significant. Um, but this is something that it's not a, as you said, it's not a panacea, but it's also not a, a standalone intervention. It's meant to be used in conjunction with um, working with a mental health professional, the same way that fitness or proper diet is to be used in conjunction with a, your primary care provider. Absolutely. We always say the technology is not the treatment. It's not the treatment. It's just another thing to help the treatment. Just like a book in a self-help section at your bookstore is not a replacement for a therapist. But for some people, using a mobile app is going to be a lot easier, more welcoming than reading a book in addition to seeing a behavioral health provider. You know, I think that's an interesting point, and especially with um, with providers. And, and you mentioned earlier about the digital natives and um, and digital immigrants. Um, you know, I am forty five. I don't have an issue of of telling my age, but I do predate the internet, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, the the computers right. when I was born yeah, were sure. were the the size of the room. But but mental health professionals typically, in in my experience, it's almost a second or even a third career, um, and so we do yeah. tend to be on the older side, um, uh, especially those that are practicing clinicians, um, and and so that but. But we will recommend books all the time. I was I yes. a blog post the blog post today. I uh, like I often do um, reference Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Definitely for a lot of veterans, that's a, a and so we use this and we call it bibliotherapy. So we recommend certain books yep. to um, clients. You should read this book, or I've uh, learned Optimism by Seligman. I've used a lot, and and so we we as providers recommend books 
I don't know that we, and this is what obviously the, the, you and your colleagues are trying to do is in addition to recommending books to read, recommending these apps and this technology to use because it's really the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So what I like to recommend, so for example, when I worked in a clinic that specifically was for kids, we had our three go-to books that our clinic director loved, that all of us had already read. These were vetted books, one for helping parents learn how to manage discipline, one for teenagers, and another one for helping traumatized children. Like, we recommended additional books, too, because, of course, we always had books around, right? We love books in our profession. Um, but those are the three books I, I knew were go-tos. I knew as soon as I started working there, I read them right away. I had my own versions in my office. They were our go-to books. And what I recommend is that clinics do the same thing with mobile apps and podcasts. So have your five go-to apps. If your clinic sees a lot of sleep disorders uh, or a lot of post-traumatic stress or a lot of brain injury, then you have this uh, maybe a handout with your five favorite apps. And you circle the ones that you want the patient to download. These are apps that everyone in your clinic has tested themselves. You've used them. You know what to expect. You've kicked the tires. You know they're based on strong evidence. They're secure apps. That's why the DOD and VA mobile apps are great because we know we're not sending the data anywhere. Um, that It all lives right on the device. And same with podcasts. If you have a patient who comes in who is more likely to listen to a podcast than read a book or use an app. And you've got your five podcasts that you've already listened to, you've already vetted, you know are good quality podcasts for the different health conditions. And then think how much more inviting that is to a patient who, as we talked about before, might already be really cautious about engaging in behavioral health. And now they know that we're willing to not just have them read a book, which for many can be a very daunting thing. Uh, we're saying, okay, well, what, uh, how do you like to learn? What, what makes most sense to you? We can recommend books to help you with this or podcasts or apps or even just brochures or a link to a website. And being willing to go where the patient is to help increase patient engagement, help them know that you're willing to, uh, to resort to what they like, what makes most sense for them is a very welcoming spirit. Rather than not only are we doing mental health care, now you have to go read a book as your homework. That right there is is a really tricky thing for a lot of folks. Yeah, and I think that um, and and you mentioned you know meeting the client where they're at. I mean, obviously that's a, a core tenet of of therapy. It's not about the therapist; it's about the client. It's not about what I want and my goals for them. It's about what their needs are. Um, and 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 I really appreciate again the idea of the podcast. Of course, I, I you know one of the reasons why I started this podcast is there wasn't a lot of discussion about service member, veteran, military, family, mental health. Um, and and you've mentioned one of your um, podcasts, um, a better night's sleep. But but you have along with uh, you know the the DHA connected health along with the apps, um, you you've actually started these podcasts as well. So I'd like to hear um, about some of those that you're doing. Yeah, so the podcasts have been really tremendous. You know, in the grand scheme of things, we we try a lot of different kinds of technology to help our service members and veterans. And some of the things we do are relatively expensive. And podcasts 
are not one of those. It, it's not expensive to make a podcast. It doesn't take a ton of time. No offense. Dwayne, maybe I don't mean to imply that, that you don't spend a lot of, of your own time and money to do yours, but uh, it, it's an efficient way to help get information out for people who like podcasts. You know, not everyone's listening to podcasts. We, we estimate about 25% of our beneficiaries probably listen once in a while at least, or maybe more often. Um, and it's mostly for people who commute or do a lot of housework or handiwork, other things where your hands are busy, but your ears are free, right? That's when podcasts are really ideal. For some people, listening to something like a podcast or an audiobook just does not appeal to them at all. And so, of course, for them, I recommend other kinds of resources. But for people who like podcasts um, or for people who just want to try it because that's how we get new podcast listeners, it's a great way to help learn information and also kind of gain a relationship with the host. I'm sure a lot of your listeners start to feel like they really know you, even if they've never met you in person. And then it's more exciting and interesting to listen to educational information or an interview or listen to listen to questions if you get a good sense of who the people are that, that you're listening to. It's not just two talking heads on a video. It's, wait, we know him. I've listened to a whole bunch of his episodes of his podcast. So, for example, we have our newest podcast. Uh, it has a few episodes out right now, and it's called Living Beyond Pain. This is another free resource. It's for service members, their families, veterans, and anyone else in the world with an internet connection can download the Living Beyond Pain podcast. Like all podcasts, it's free. And it, or like most podcasts, I should say, it's free. And it's for chronic pain management. So we know a lot of our veterans have chronic pain conditions. And uh, generally, it's something you go and see your uh, primary provider about primary care provider, sometimes behavioral health, but there are several other additional methods to help manage chronic pain symptoms. So this is a short podcast. We only have nine episodes, um, and each episode is, is less than 20 minutes or so. And what we did was Captain Tracy Began, who's an Army psychologist, interviewed experts from around the military and the VA on different aspects of pain management. So we've got episodes on, man well, the overall theme is managing pain flare-ups. So every episode touches on that. But we've got lots of episodes about managing pain flare-ups. We also have episodes on how to get moving, how to increase movement safely, what to know about medication for pain management, what to know about meditation, mindfulness, how pain and sleep work together. And an episode I got to be on, which is a real pleasure, an episode about how to talk to children about your pain flare-ups to prepare them for those times when we're not feeling great or even to help the kid get involved with helping you manage your pain flare-ups. They feel like they're part of the solution instead of just somebody getting in the way. So this is for folks who might be at home, maybe not working as much as they want. Uh, a podcast like this, again, is going to help them learn about chronic pain learn about it from a few different perspectives, learn additional methods in addition to what they're getting from their provider about helping manage pain flare-ups, and then hopefully help them be able to have more conversations with their family about it. Because especially for a condition like chronic pain, we know that loved ones might not always really understand what's going on. It's 
a difficult lifelong condition and there are ways to manage it, but it's a lot easier when the folks around you understand what's happening. Sometimes it's hard to find those words to help put it into context, especially when you're not having your pain flare up. That's when you don't really want to think about pain. And when you are having a pain flare up is not the best time to have a really deep conversation with a family member. So podcasting just seemed like a perfect way to additionally get resources out there for chronic pain management. So the Living Beyond Pain podcast, you can find it right now everywhere you get podcasts. Uh, We really hope this will be a nice solution in addition to others. There's many fantastic books out there. There's great group therapy treatment. There's terrific apps and other resources. This podcast, Living Beyond Pain, is just one other way folks can get access to this kind of information. See, and, and obviously, you know, you're, you're preaching to the converted because I am, I am very much, um, in favor of podcasts as well. Um, but it's a, but it's a way to capture again what you and I know as, as mental health professionals or as clinicians, as researchers, um, and get it into the hands of people who, who might need to hear it. Um, you know, we could, you and I could be having this conversation over lunch when we met at a conference. And then when we get up and we go to our other workshops, then the, the conversation is gone, right? I mean, you and I have memories of it. Um, but all of the information that we're talking about, it's, you know, it's not there anymore or the workshop that I attended that, that the two of you uh, presented or any workshops at a conference, maybe 30, 40, 50 people, hundreds of people, you know, and unless it's captured on YouTube somewhere, um, that great information that's there is gone. You know, and I have to repeat it or you have to repeat it. And we're happy to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But the podcast, you, you, you have the ability to capture this. Somebody 10 years from now could be listening to this podcast and, and find the apps and all the, the other ones that you're going to develop uh, later on down the road. Um, so this is a way of capturing what we know as clinicians and preserving it in such a way that it's accessible. And I think this is something that we've been missing in the mental health field. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what else? What uh, what do you have coming up in the future? Um, obviously, you know we don't like to rest on our laurels, and you're doing a lot of great stuff. So, <laughs> what what kind of things is uh, DHA Connected Health looking at in the future? Well, another big thing we're looking at is additional ways to get information out about the kinds of treatment, especially virtual health and telehealth treatment. So one of the things I do is lead our technology education program where we help uh, patients and providers understand how to get started in some of these different treatment methods. So again, like I mentioned before, seeing uh, patients via um, virtual health is just as effective as seeing them uh, face-to-face. And so we want to try encouraging people as much as possible to, to try this out, to try this method. Um, and when I say people, I mean providers. I think in general, our patients tend to be even more willing than, than providers do. So what we're trying is a whole bunch of different methods of helping spread this information. So when you think of how do I learn a new skill, usually it's going to take a class in a university or maybe uh, starting to do some online education. And so we're doing all different methods. We're doing space-to-face workshops. We're doing online learning modules where you can do self-paced education. We're doing videos. We're doing uh, webinars. 
all sorts of different activities. We want to make it as easy as possible for providers to get started with virtual health and for patients to know what to expect. So I think keep your eyes on health.mil slash connected health. Health.mil, of course, is the fantastic website for the military health system for the Defense Health Agency. Um, and health.mil slash connected health, maybe you can put that link in your show notes, Dwayne, uh, will help lead you right to uh, all these educational resources. And we'll have more and more over the next couple of years. We're just getting started now. But my hope is that two years from now, when we talk about this, I'll be able to say, yeah, we've got 20 different online training tools. Go learn and let us know what else you'd like. As I mentioned earlier, we're always interested in feedback. We want to know from providers, what is it your patients need that, that we can help you with? And from patients, we want to hear, well, what, if you had a magic wand, what would your care look like so that it would be easiest for you and most welcome for you and your family? And that's great. And, and I absolutely agree. And, and it's the, um, the idea of, um, it's not, it's no longer just, um, you know, laying on the couch talking about your mother. And, and it hasn't been that way for a very long time. Um, but, uh, but I think that this technology is a very accessible way, like we've been talking about to sort of, um, uh, knock off some of the edges of anxiety and, and, uh, hesitation and stigma that people have around treatment. Uh, it, this has been really great, Julie. I really appreciate you coming on the show. If people wanted to hear more from you or learn about you, or definitely I'm going to make sure that a link to all of the apps and the podcasts individually are going to be in the show notes. Um, but how can people find more about you? Uh, you know, I'm definitely health.mil slash connected health is the way to go. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts? Well, you know, be willing to, to try some things. Try some technology. Put your toe out there. But if you're a provider listening to this, don't recommend something unless you've tried it yourself. Just like we, we wouldn't recommend a book without reading it. Try out these apps. Don't just take my word for it. Uh, they're great apps, great podcasts, high quality. But you got to listen to it first. Try it out. Make sure it meets that mark. And then if it doesn't, let me know what I can do to fix it. Because, as I mentioned, I'm very interested in feedback. So thank you so much, and thanks, Dwayne. This was a real pleasure. Thank you very much. You're listening to Headspace and Timing, where we're trying to change the way that we think and talk about veteran mental health. As I'm sure you can imagine, I'm a huge proponent of using technology as a way to increase awareness about service member, veteran, and military family mental health. It's the method that I use to get the message out about the subject. More importantly, I use technology myself both as a clinician and as a veteran. Like many podcast hosts, I'm an avid consumer of podcasts and listen to them while working out, driving, cooking, doing the dishes, working around the house. It's a way to provide that self-improvement and professional development that we were so familiar with when we were in the military. I also use technology for my daily meditation practice, which I've mentioned before. I use an app called Insight Timer. I use technology for my fitness tracking, for my daily goals and tasks, and a lot more. We're surrounded by technology, but like everything else, we must control it rather than have it control us. We're on our phones and tablets and laptops constantly. Why shouldn't we use them productively rather than destructively? They're not going away, and it's a tool that we can use to enhance our lives. 
I highly recommend checking out some of the technology resources that Dr. Ken mentions in the show, all of which are linked in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time to listen. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash HST142. If you enjoyed the show, I ask that you subscribe to it on your podcast player of choice. That helps others find the show. I always value your feedback, so let me know how you think I'm doing by providing an honest rating or review. I'd also like to let you know of a series of webinars that I'm producing for NADAC, the National Association for Addiction Professionals. I'm presenting a series of six webinars on service member, veteran, and military family mental health. There'll be live webinars presented over the remainder of 2019, and after they're complete, you'll be able to watch them on demand. To see more about the series, go to VeteranMentalHealth.com forward slash NADAC, that's N-A-A-D-A-C, to check them out. A link to that will also be in the show notes. Just a reminder that the guests and information on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be considered professional advice. While I am a therapist, I'm not your therapist. If something you heard makes you think that you should talk to somebody, then reach out to do so. I'd like to thank Doc Todd for giving us permission to use his track, Not Alone, from his album Combat Medicine. Doc's trying to bring the discussion about veteran mental health out of the darkness, and you can see all of his work at therealdoctod.com. Make sure to join us for the next episode. Hit subscribe in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss it. Until then, remember veterans, you're not alone. Ever. The struggle is real, found a piece and lost a soul Eventually my drinking, it got out of control There in darkness I roam, struggling to find home See suddenly death didn't feel so alone 22 a day, destination unknown It could have been avoided if you picked up the phone But now you're gone, so I guess all we get is the tone Nothing but bone weeds, overgrown, pushing up stones I've triumphed over enemies, co-created mini-me's Broke out facilities and tried to put an end to me R.I.P., I'd rather grind in tranquility Authentic Tennessee, embrace my ability
Are you looking for more ways to learn about military and veteran culture? Are you a mental health professional or public health professional without lived experience in the military, but find yourself working with veterans? Are you a caregiver or a family member of a veteran? Then you might be interested in a series of books that have been released with you in mind. By going to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books, you can check out three books that give you an insight into veteran mental health from a combat veteran perspective. These books are a collection of short, consumable essays that discuss a wide range of topics related to mental health and wellness in post-military life. Head on over to veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash books and check them out for yourself or follow the link in the show notes.